Well, like I said, that we are in for a wonderful treat. I am very excited about today. I, I have been able to be in the service where, where Brad has led, and I've been to some of his uh, classes that you have taught down at Common Ground, some of his seminars, and it has been life-changing and eye-opening for me. And I know that uh, if this, this is, going to be, it's going to be eye-opening, and it's going to be challenging, but it's going to bless you if you allow it to. And so I would just like to welcome my good friend, Brad Huddleston, to the stage. Make him feel welcome. Morning, Cornerstone. How many of you dread to see me coming? <laughs> Those of you that have heard me before, oh, no, I'm going to feel so bad about my phone today. Well, if, like I said on the video last Sunday, if, you, if you've been sinning with it, you should be feel, feeling guilty. <laughs> That's not why I came. God has good things in store for us. Despite what has happened this year, despite what has been happening, my heart is for revival, and I believe that's what God's heart is for. And I think a lot of what's happening uh, in the last few months as I've reconnected with uh, Pastor Seth and gotten to know Josh quite well, uh, we've not been able to travel. I mean, for the last 20 years, uh, months, up to six months out of the year. Every year we are out of the country at least, and then the other six months around our country, and then all of a sudden everything just stopped. And uh, I just dug my heels in here with all my friends and, and started to labor for revival here. Amen? God is wanting to redeem all of this stuff that has happened, and he's doing a sifting, and it's been painful for a lot of but there's good news, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Not just the technology, I will talk about that. But before we get started, I know Sunday mornings can be a little bit stressful for people. Maybe you don't elbow your spouse, but maybe argued this morning. <laughs> uh, maybe it's a little stressful getting the kids ready, and you just, even during worship, you just had a struggle. Well, one of the things that I believe, uh, according to the Scripture, that's why I believe it, laughter is like a medicine. Amen. These are some of my favorite church bulletin bloopers. And they never get old. And if you have any that you'd like to send me, I'll add them. Please send them along. But here's one of them. This being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. <laughs> Last Sunday morning, I was preaching at this church, and there was a Mrs. Lewis in the audience. <laughs> Thursday night potluck supper. Prayer and medication will follow. The low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday from 7 to 8.30. Please use the back door. <laughs> Jean will be leading a weight management series Wednesday nights. She's used the program herself and been growing like crazy. <laughs> and my all-time favorite. At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, What is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> As your faithful leaders here, Pastor Josh and Seth are laboring throughout each and every day to take care of you spiritually and working so hard with prayer and fasting and blood, sweat, and tears. I want to show you what goes on outside of that or during that <laughs> process. Pastor Seth didn't know that Pastor Josh was standing behind his office door waiting to scare him in Jesus' name. <laughs> Here's what happened. <laughs> 
these are your pastors. I don't feel this time, big dog. <laughs> but, but the facial expression, my favorite one, has to be this one. Now, look, I've started a war. You know that, don't you? <laughs> yep. I just threw the first punch, but I promise you, we will not be the last. <laughs> well, I want to preach to you this morning, speak to you this morning on the topic of a work of separation. This is one of the key things that God is doing during this sifting globally of COVID. We're finding out who's who in the body of Christ. Many churches, people are not coming back. One statistic that I heard, all the money that's been invested, and rightfully so, in all of the web streaming to accommodate people during lockdown, only 6% actually started a sermon and finished it. And so we're seeing a work of separation. Now, that can work against us, but it can work for us. And in this image here, what God is calling us to, those who are a small group known as the remnant, he's calling us to come out from them, from the world and its systems, and to be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I'll receive you. Now, that's where we get our concept biblically of holiness. It means separation. It means while everybody's doing this, a small group does this, the right thing. We come out from all of that. And that's the central message that God has given me uh, through the technology. Now, that's just my slice. Pastor Josh has his. Pastor Seth has it. We all have to come together as the member uh, uh, of the body, members of the body of Christ to make one. And God has called me to call people not to burn their technology. I never renounced my computer science degree when I started studying neuroscience. But there are certain things about it that I had to separate myself because it was killing me spiritually. And I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus. May I be honest with you today? I've had repenting to do, separation. Now, where, where is all of this going? Why would I carry a message like this that is so unpopular? If it for friends like Pastor Josh to just put me in front of people, no one would probably voluntarily come. When we have those seminars, and it's by volunteer, you know, very few people show up on their own. It's gracious pastors who see the need for something like this that just allows me to come while, while people are gathered. How do you think it makes me feel? You know, it's like I say, all those motivational people, speakers, and all those prosperity preachers, they get to ride in the front of the plane. I ride back near the toilet. And I don't care. I don't. But where is it taking us? Brothers and sisters, get a heart for where it's taking us. There's benefits to this separation. It's called revival. Now, I don't know how revival will manifest itself in America if we have one. I'm praying for that. Are you? I've been in a real wrestling match with myself, somewhat with God. I I don't really wrestle with him because he pins me every time. Um, Beth and I weren't really meant to sit still for too long. I'm, I'm an evangelist, so I go. But that's not been my problem. That's not been my struggle, my sin, probably. It's, it's the fact that America, whom I love, and I, when I... When I bleed, I bleed red, white, and blue. I'm very patriotic, and I'm not ashamed of that. I'm involved in the processes here, but i got to tell you, spiritually, I just want to get on a plane and go back. And the hunger, you, they, they wear you out. And I've got a lot of energy. My, my gym friends will tell you that. And 
I just was we were just crying out, God, I, it's, it's awesome teaming back up with Kevin Harris and Josh and Seth, and we've got some things going on with the ministers here, and that's, that's pumping me up. But it's still, when you've been in those atmospheres like that, uh, the Lord just dealt with me, and he said, look, I'm going to let you go back there, but you've got to get this right, because I've called you to this country as well, where it's hard, and you stay here and dig your heels in, do what I've told you to do here. Because it is hard. So back to this technology issue, the issue of separation, which I believe will lead to revival if we will come out from the world and separate ourselves from those things, mainly the culture that's coming in through our devices. The most detrimental thing probably that has happened with the technology, it's left us for the overuse and the misuse of technology, is a condition, a medical condition called anhedonia, where we become anhedonic, which basically means you, use, you lose the ability to enjoy Lesser stimulating activities. You can't take joy and pleasure in things like prayer. It's not stimulating enough. Oh, I know the anointing breaks the yoke and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes prayer is laborious where it's not that way, but you press in anyway when it's boring. So what I've done based on the work of Dr. Archibald Hart I designed some animations to take a complex process in the nucleus accumbens of the brain and, and, and make it simple to understand so that even children, I speak to a lot of kids as well, can understand. So that little dot is the area of the brain that gets excited, where you feel joy and pleasure, and there's nothing wrong with that part of the brain. And, and when we have a good conversation, we're horsing around scaring each other from behind doors. <laughs> I released a lot of dopamine from you fellas <laughs> uh, in the congregation this morning, and dopamine went into the pleasure center of the brain. It stimulated it, and it's lighting up there because on scans you can actually see it lighting up. And people smile and laugh because of that neurotransmitter called dopamine getting released. It's a good thing. It's also very important for cognition. For your children to learn their math, English, history, and all that sort of stuff, they have to have dopamine. The problem is when you get too much... It becomes very stressful for the brain and very addictive, and so the brain builds a barrier. Now, look, it's, a, it's actually technically around it, but to make it easy to understand, I just put a wall there. It's a barrier trying to push out all that extra dopamine, and so when we stimulate ourselves with drugs or screen time or anything, if we do too much of it, the brain starts to try to help us by pushing it out. But we don't like for the good feelings, the pleasure to be cut off, so what do we do? More of the activity. The alcoholic doesn't start off being an alcoholic. They drink a couple of beers to decompress after work. Problem is, after a certain length of time, two beers doesn't relax them anymore. It's the alcohol releasing the dopamine. So it stops working, so what do they do? They drink three. Well, now they stimulate even more. They get over the barrier. They can feel it again. Doesn't mean they're getting more drunk because they've upped it to three. It just means that they're having to push through a thick barrier that's trying to push out all that dopamine. After a while, three doesn't work, so what do they do? They drink four, and next thing you know, they're hooked. Well, that very same process works with cocaine, heroin, but it also works with screens, and it doesn't matter the content. One of the biggest obstacles that we've had to overcome in my world is telling parents to say, well, I only allow my children to use devices for educational purposes. And that sounds good, and they're sincere, and they're well-meaning, but the truth of the matter is, it's always this pesky little thing called the truth, isn't it? 
It's a double-edged sword. It makes you mad, but it's the only thing that will free us. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. As it turns out, all these gamification programs like Mathletics, they're not working. Grades are going down. It, it ends up, at first, you'll see on the, on the data, you'll see a little rise in spiking cognition, but then it turns into a competition, gambling, because it's based on a system of rewards. Dopamine levels get too high, and all the cognition goes away, and the competition goes up, and addiction sets in. Am I making sense to you? So eventually, and the most detrimental thing that's happening, not only is cognition going down, addiction setting in, all of its associated symptoms that we'll cover in a few minutes, but if you notice, that went gray. The color stopped because the wall got really big. And what is happening there, the brain is pushing out all of the dopamine, and the person who is addicted now becomes emotionally numb. You ever heard your children say, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. And you think, good Lord, you've got more stuff than we ever had growing up. Or they're playing a video game, and you finally stop and say, go outside and play. What do they say? That's boring. And they hate it. The reason is, is because playing outside in the sandbox and climbing trees produces this much dopamine, which is the normal amount. But the problem is they have to have this much. Otherwise, they have no stimulation. And if they're not stimulated, non-stimulation, the definition, they're bored. And they have anxiety and anger. But the most detrimental thing that has happened is that they have become numb to lesser stimulating activities, which would include... A deep, intimate, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ of Nazareth through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's really my message, is to get that wall down, because you can, and have revival in us individually. And then we come together collectively. We've got a big revival in some form or fashion like I showed you in Africa. Do you want to see that happen here in this country? You know, the, the, the God who is the God of Africa is the God of America too. It's not God who has left. God is not mad at us. He simply wants us back. The last thing I want to do is, is, is bring legalism into the picture. I've been on that side of being terrified of the law, rules and regulations, and not being able to meet up. This is not legalism. This is scriptural guidance. God says through the Apostle Paul, everything is permissible for me. This tablet that I'm using with all these graphics, totally permissible. But not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me. My, my phone is permissible. But the issue is, is enslavement. Being brought under its power where it controls us instead of us controlling it. And this requires a lot of humility to do introspection, to admit when you've gone over the line. And the truth be told, the person who is addicted is not qualified to self-diagnose. It takes someone close to them. The problem with that is, as you can imagine, if you ask them, hey, do you think I'm addicted? If they say yes, you get angry. But the smart person, the humble person, will listen and separate. I didn't say burn and throw everything out. Just those things that are enslaving. That's the act of separation, that if we don't get in that process, revival will not happen. There is a part 
that we play, that's not legalism. That's common sense. Amen? We can have things that just can't enslave us. Brain scanning technology. This happens to be SPECT scanning technology, which stands for Single Photon Emission Computed Tomography. This is a baseline of a healthy brain, whereby you compare then an unhealthy brain or what you think is an unhealthy brain, and you can clearly measure the deviation. It doesn't take a neuroscientist to see what happens when you smoke marijuana. And they say things like, doesn't bother me, man. I'm like, that's why you talk like this, man. It's because your brain has holes in it. Now, look, that's not literally holes. That is a measure of activity or the lack thereof. The neurons aren't firing. It's become anhedonic. The color's gone. The brain, if you were to take it out of the the skull, would look like a brain. But in terms of activity and neurobiological, uh, all that sort of stuff is is off. That's the baseline. Again, there's a heroin brain. Look how much activity has disappeared in the deep regions of the brain. But the worst one of all is the porn brain. Neurobiologically, It's the equivalent of mixing cocaine and heroin together. Usually you take coke to get you up and heroin to bring you down. This is like you mix them, and that's why it has such an effect. And and unlike alcohol that has to metabolize in the liver and then get into the brain, or smoke gets into the lungs and gets into the brain, when it comes to digital, our eyes are connected directly to the occipital lobe in the back of the head. It's instantly there. That's why when I showed the video and I showed the picture of Pastor Seth, You laughed instantly. No metabolism in the bloodstream. It's already there. The dopamine hits. And that's what digital does. Now let me turn this around and show you revival. A work of separation. Dr. Daniel Amen, who also provides treatment for these addicts, puts them in therapy, treatment, and then after a certain period of time, he rescans the brain, and there's the before and after. Can you see the holes filling back in? It used to be believed that once the brain cells were damaged or dead, they could not come back. And there's a little bit of truth in that now, but we know through neuroplasticity, the way you think, exercise, what you put in, the brain can definitely regenerate. And it does. This is why I actually came. Not to scare you with all of this, because I want to show you what God wants to do. This is a neuroscience study on the game Minecraft sold as an education game, couldn't be further from the truth. This parent uh, that they chose had three children, they're triplets, and they wanted to get a baseline. Their brains are very similar. One is a Minecraft addict, and the other two are not. And so they used fMRI scanning technology, scanned their brains, and the two on the left are normal. Those colors are the activity I was showing you. As the dopamine goes in, it lights up different regions of the brain, depending on what part of the body you're using. And it's normal, but if you notice in little Noah, the Minecraft addict, he has very little color. He is bored with everything unless it's a game. And this is what he looks like. He's angry. This is a a screenshot of his mother trying to get the game away from him. I'm a terrible motivational speaker and a terrible, terrible person because... What people want from me is a pill that will allow their children to play games half the night, do social media, never sleep, do all this stuff, but their brains look healthy. 
And there is no such pill. There's no, they can give you Prozac or they can give you other antidepressants, but then that starts to wane in efficacy and you have to then do more blood work and you have to readjust and then it just kind of spirals. I'm not knocking anyone who's on medication. Sometimes it's necessary. I'm just saying in an ideal world, if you know that there's a, another cause that, that, that you can do without the medicine, you, you should fix that. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so what they did, they took this child away from the game, put him in summer camp, did terrible things to him, horrible things. They only let him swim, hike, swim, uh, hike and fish and canoe, play tennis and all this sort of stuff. They call social services. They won't let him have a phone. Get somebody in here and straighten that parent out. Um, Three weeks later, they brought... Three weeks, 21 days, they brought this child back into the lab. They rescanned his brain, and I want to show you why I came here today. Totally healed. Yeah, you can clap for that. That'd be a good time to do that. I'm not trying to scare you. Is that hopeful to you? I used to think, well, this is going to really change people. It never has. It shocked me. Both of the scans from Dr. Daniel Amen and this, I thought, okay, different scanning technologies. The research is repeatable, very important. But it's never changed. I have people, let me, just let me pare it down instead of a bunch of big words. Um, I just use everyday language. I've had, I've had females, for example, say, I'm not giving up my Instagram. They don't care that that is possible. They, they cannot imagine not having Instagram. That's what happens when you have to have the rushes of dopamine at that level. But brothers and sisters, listen to me. This is why I came here. This is revival. This is renewal. This is health. This is peace. This is tranquility. This is what Jesus wants for us individually. Amen? But it's going to take a work of separation whereby we cooperate with God and then He heals us. I've been sharing these stats. Where we are now and the reason why we need this separation within the church in our country, the Gen Zers, those born from 97 to 2012, only 4% now have a biblical worldview. Their parents, the millennials, they only... Uh, 6% of them have a biblical worldview. The Gen Xers, 7%, and the Boomers, 10%. Gallup did a poll. One in six Gen Zers identify now as LGBTQ. The culture coming through the phones has transformed our children and their parents. And so God is calling us to separation. Why? Because he wants to heal us. So what are the solutions? How do you get the wall down? How do you get the color back? Now, I do entire seminars on this. There's books out there and all this sort of stuff. I'm going to give you enough here that if you'll just pay attention to the next five minutes, the wall will just instantly come down. The color will instantly start to come back. And that intimacy that some of us once felt with God years ago will start to seep back in. And before you know it, the peace, the tranquility, the intimacy with Jesus, not because we're perfect, but because He is and He's full of grace and mercy, will come right back into our hearts. And if you were to scan the brain, the color would come right back. He loves you. He loves me. And He's wanting 
to restore relationships. He's wanting to restore us so that then we can be restored to each other, most importantly, Him. So if you are addicted, just from a neurobiological point of view, you have to first detox. If you try to just limit and balance and back off while you're addicted, it's sort of like trying to put a Band-Aid on a broken bone. You have to reset the brain, but I showed you Noah's brain. It can definitely reset. It takes about four to six weeks in the best-case scenario. Many gamers have to go through this process multiple times, but they eventually reset. So it takes about four to six weeks, and during that time, no screens at all, including television. And then you return to limited technology, but it's not what you think. Let me give you a new definition of limit based on science. You hear this a lot, don't you? The science, the science. Well, this is actual real science. I want to introduce it this way. Kids will come to me all the time and say, look, they're irritated at me because I've talked about the video games and I've talked about this and that. Their phones, they go, look, I have to have technology to do my schoolwork. Or I have to know how to use technology in order to get a job. And I look at these evil little creatures and I say, I agree. Caught off guard just a wee bit. I say, look, if I were to grab your phone, any phone, and and of your parents, this is what I would find on your phone or tablet, something very similar to this. I'd find some educational stuff, maybe Excel, PowerPoint, but I'd find Fortnite, Google Classroom, Netflix, Minecraft, Snapchat, TikTok, Word, Instagram, porn, and YouTube. By the way, I'd find porn on the Christian kids' phones just as much. Equal. But if I were to take off of that phone the things that you don't need to get a job or do your schoolwork, if I were to separate, I don't know if holy ties is a word, but that's what I'm going to use. If I were to holy ties your phone and make it pleasant in in the sight of God, this is what I would do. You see, that's the stuff that's getting us addicted, mastering us, enslaving us. That stuff right there, nobody's ever come up to me and said, Brad, pray for me. I'm so addicted to Word. I just can't quit typing. Lay hands on me quick. Brad, I just can't wait to my Zoom class. I just can't wait to get on Zoom. I love it, I love it, I love it. No. What do these evil little creatures do? They get in and they get out but you have used technology for a very good thing. You've used technology, the Internet. But what you haven't done is gotten yourself addicted because that is what is causing the color to leave. Sin separates us from God. And this is a very good thing. I'm using PowerPoint now. Has it helped you? Well, I'm using it. It's permissible. The color disappears from the brain predominantly in the bedroom with the door shut with technology in their hands. So get it out. There's none in mine. I would, one of the things I would tell you that's never beneficial in any amount, way, shape, or form, I didn't say throw everything away, I would get rid of every video game. I'd never allow them in my house, ever. I went through this, one kid went through my seminar and he came back to me weeks later and he goes, man, I did that, I got rid of my games and I feel so awesome. 
And it was awesome to hear him talk. He could tell his head was clear. His eyes were shiny. And, and he goes, you know what? I even got my money back on eBay. And I'm like, dude, now I've got to go talk to the guy that bought your video game. Don't be a drug pusher. Stop selling this stuff. <laughs> you know, you don't have to have a smartphone. Your children don't have to have one. They don't. A flip phone will do. Nobody's ever come to me and said, Brad, pray for me. My flip phone and I have this deep relationship and I just can't get rid of it. But you'll call people. You'll be in touch in case there's an emergency. Replace all electronic babysitters with humans right now. Never, ever, ever put anyone under the age of 12 in front of a screen as a babysitter, ever. So the rest of the benefits of separation, really I should have said the spiritual benefits. Because once the brain gets cleared out, you know the spirit's in there too, don't you? The spiritual benefits. Uh, Pastor Josh was on my podcast and uh, I had such good feedback. But I have to admit, I, I saw something on his office wall behind him. See that little plaque up there? Don't let your past define your future. If you're here today and you have messed up royally on the Internet with porn or you're married but you found yourself on a dating site trying to find or looking up old flames and all that sort of stuff, you've got to repent of that. You do. I mean, like now. But do you realize if you do turn and walk in a different direction back toward God, do you realize He will forgive you the second you do it and then from that point on He will treat you as though you never did those things? That's what the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ did, even in the midst of all this cultural mess. And if God is asking you to do something very difficult, like get rid of the phones or the video games, which the video games, I can promise you, he's telling you to do that. The phones, that's a little bit different area. If you can separate those things, it can be very useful. But people's level of addiction, you know, and the propensity to get addicted and their all that sort of stuff. Parents, you've got a daunting task, and I want to help you, and I mean that. But if God is asking you to do something very difficult to separate so that the intimacy with God can come back and we can have revival, I want to encourage you and leave you with something. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them. Everybody say, the Lord worked with them. And He confirmed His Word with signs following, or signs that accompanied it. This is a whole different sermon. I'm just picking out a little slice to encourage you with something. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to the common good. God will manifest, in other words, His Spirit with various giftings when you and I need them in our journey of proclaiming the Word or doing whatever else He's asking us to do, no matter how hard it is. And those nine manifestation gifts are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, and diverse kinds of tongues, and then the interpretation of those tongues, of which they should be alive and well in the body of Christ. But let's just look at one, the working of miracles. Beth and I had to drive from the University of South Africa, which is in Pretoria, over to another place two hours away called Potchefstroom, and along the journey... The GPS went off the Google Maps and said, would you like to save 10 minutes with an alternate route? I hit yes, 
and it drove me into Soweto, which is a township in Johannesburg that is extremely dangerous. And riots were breaking out all over the country. And as we were going through this place, I noticed there had been tires burning. There was still smoke, rocks all in the road. They'd been rioting, and another riot had broken out down in front of us. I had been in this situation before, but Beth was not with me. This time she was with me. It scared me, not so much for me, but for her. And I said to her, sweetheart, we have to pray in the Spirit now. And so we begin to pray, and lo and behold, I looked up, and there was a riot, a bunch of riot police officers getting ready to go down into this mess. And as I stood there, I said, sir, I'm really sorry to bother you. You had all this stuff on, getting ready to go in there and deal with this stuff. And I said, if you could just get us around this, I'd be so grateful or tell us how to. And he said, what are you doing here? You heard my accent. I said, well, I'm working at the university, but I'm also a minister. And he looked at me, and he goes, oh, it is so good to have a brother here. I said, well, can I pray for you? And he goes, yeah. So we locked arms, and Beth was in the car taking pictures. But I want to show you what was going on all over the country. And these riots were terrible. And so he said, look, I'm going to go get a, a police vehicle, and you stay right on my bumper. We're going to have to drive a couple of kilometers against the traffic, and I want you to stay right on my bumper. We're going to get you out of this mess. And you can see the, the tires uh, the tires that have been burning here, the smoke, and all up in here, and the rocks. And so I had this police, Beth and I had this police escort, and all of a sudden another riot breaks out down there, and all the cars were jumping the curb, going in the opposite direction. And so we stopped, and the police officer got out. He's trying to figure out where to take us. And when I looked down, we only had just above a quarter of a tank of gas. And I could not stop at the gas station, or they would have killed us. And we were praying, God... This may be our day. And when I looked down, brothers and sisters, we were praying in the Spirit. I looked down, the gas went up to nearly half a tank on its own, and it stayed there until we got out of danger. Did I deserve it? No. Am I a sinner? Yes. Do I have issues? You betcha. That's not just for me. That's for us. If he's asking you to do something, he said he will work with us, despite us. Amen? So no matter how hard it is, do what he's telling you to do, and Jesus will work miracles for you. He'll send you words of prophecy when you need it. On down the the list of nine. Do you believe it, brothers and sisters? The days are getting darker, but Jesus shines the brightest. I'm going to ask my wife Beth to come and the worship team if you'd come. Beth is going to sing first, and then the worship team will take over. And as they come, some of you have seen this picture. But I want to read something to you. Then I want you to come to the altar this morning. I believe God does. This comes from Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly. Perhaps you have difficulty receiving the rich mercy of God in Christ, not because of what others have done to you, but because of what you have done to torpedo your own life. Maybe through one big stupid decision, or maybe through 10,000 little ones, you have squandered His mercy and you know it. To you I say, do you know what Jesus does with those who have squandered His mercy? He pours out more mercy. God is rich in mercy. That's a verse. 
That's the whole point. Whether we have been sinned against or have sinned ourselves into misery, the Bible says God is not tight-fisted with mercy, but open-handed, not frugal but lavish, not poor but rich. That God is rich in mercy means that your regions of deepest shame, your deepest shame and regret are not hotels with which divine mercy passes, but homes in which divine mercy lives. So no matter how much the internet has messed you up or anything I didn't even talk about, He loves you today. This picture is God's heart. As Beth sings, I'm going to invite us to just come and find a place of prayer. And that's how we'll close this morning. If you need Jesus for the very first time, you come to Him. If you need to rededicate your life, you once knew Him, but you've walked off, He's rich in mercy. You come. If you are struggling with something that has enslaved you, you come. If you're not enslaved by anything, but you just want to pray with those who are here or on behalf of someone in your family. How many of you sitting here now are think, have been thinking of family members that you wish were here to hear this this morning? You get this all the time. You come and pray for them. We're all just going to come and end in prayer today. But this picture is God's heart. These girls are together, but they're not together. Every waking moment, they're available. There's not a moment that goes by that they're not waiting for that notification to go off. And no matter who they're with, no matter who they're talking to, that's exactly what they will do. They will stop immediately and they will give their undivided attention and all of their heart and all of their emotion and all of their being. They're there. Jesus is simply saying to us, I wish my people felt that way about me. I wish they would carry me with them everywhere they go. And the moment I notify them through the Spirit of God, I wish they would grab me. Because the things that I have for them are not to harm them, but to give them hope and a future. Would you stand?